It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm your host. This is the solo week of Gordon. And we've got to start the podcast. This was not supposed to be a solo podcast today. This was actually going to be a two-person podcast today. But daylight savings time is an issue. For those of you obviously know who live in America, but people who listen to this podcast who don't live in America, we do this fun little thing where twice a year we change our clocks forward an hour, back an hour. And so when I was planning this podcast, naturally, I was planning the podcast with someone who is going to be in Belgrade, Serbia this week. And I communicated with them saying, hey, we're doing a podcast, 9 a.m. Central. And he's like, okay, that is 3 o'clock. Or the, yeah, excuse, that's 3 o'clock my time. I'll be in my hotel by that time because I'm coming off of an airplane, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, perfect. Here's the thing. I made these plans like a week ago. And two days ago, we changed our hour. We changed our clocks by an hour, but Serbia didn't do that. Serbia is like, it's still whatever o'clock. And so the person who I was supposed to do this podcast with is probably like in a car driving to his hotel, thinking everything is cool. He's going to get to his hotel probably at 930 our time, because that's when he was going to log in here. And he's going to realize... Oh, oh shit, uh, time change. And this is not his fault. There's no reason, he's not an American, so there's no reason he should know that we change our clocks because we're, we're crazy. So viewers, you can help me out. If you want to start tweeting at Cathal Denny and tell him to come on the show. He's probably going to be here in 25 minutes, but at C-A-T-H-A-L underscore D-E-N-N-E-H-Y. Tweet at him, tell him. You're late, but it's not your fault. It's USA's fault because we changed our clocks. And I should have thought of that, but I didn't. I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, this is a good example of, I guess, why daylight savings time needs to be permanent to avoid having these world championship preview podcasts get screwed up because the Senate approved the bill to make daylight savings time permanent. And I think this is one of the big reasons they knew. There's people out there making podcasts who are screwing up their, you know, international interviews up and uh, causing chaos, causing um, me to get all flustered because I prepared for this podcast to be a two-person podcast, but now it's a one-person podcast. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to dive right into it. If Cathal does show up, we'll have Cathal on the second half of the hour and we'll go from there. But uh, yeah, tweet at Cathal. Let's put up his Twitter account. Tell them, hey, daylight savings time. Log on. I don't know what else you can say, but yeah, uh, just be nice about it because this is clearly not his fault. There's no reason for him to know that we change our clocks twice a year. All right, enough of that. 
let's get into it. But let's start with the Pick'em Contest. We have week three of the Pick'em. We're going to crown another winner. We've got new winners every week. And this week, we're going to do something a little different. The contest is, can you get more picks correct than yours truly, than me, Gordon? Um, I didn't do too well NCAAs, but I did do very well during Tokyo. So it's a good chance my picks are going to be close to, if not the best. Now, I was thinking about this. I'm going to tell you my picks. So uh, first of all, the the game's going to be, I'm going to make about seven or eight picks throughout the weekend. And then you guys need to make your same seven or eight picks. And if you get more right than me, you win. But here's the thing. I'm going to tell you my picks. So you could easily just pick the exact same as me. But if you do that, if you tie me, you get eliminated because you can't just go for the tie. You got to go for the win. So um, here are the prizes. The prizes are going to be um, a Fanatics gift card, a CrossNet four-way volleyball game. I don't know what that is, but apparently it's kind of like spike ball. Check it out. So you click on that link, you can see what it is. And then also, if you do beat me and you're willing to and you want to, you can actually come onto the podcast and you can brag to my face and Kevin will, you know, join you and uh, you guys can talk about how you know more about track and field than me, uh, which could happen. I'm sure a lot of people out there know more about track than me. I'm just, I'm just one person. Anyway, so here are the picks. We're going to have a few picks now that we can put out there that are more overall encompassing of the whole weekend. And then once we get through prelims, I don't want to make any, we're going to wait till like finals. So we're going to have a new set of picks come out on, uh, after the Friday events. And then another set of picks come off, come out after the Saturday events. So you can basically, it's going to be three rounds. Uh, the ones that come out today, picks that come out Friday and picks that come out Saturday. So let's get into what the picks are for today. Um, First one is how many world indoor records will be broken or tied? Tied tied is a world record at the indoor champs this year. Zero, one, two, or over three. Now for perspective, 2018, last time we had world indoors, only one was broken. Only one world record was broken. That was in the four by four. In 2016, zero world world records were broken. 14. Only one, 2012, two, 2010, one, 2008, 2006, zero. So for the past over decade, there's either been zero, one, or two records broken. But if you go farther back, there was an era where, you know, we would have three to four, all the way up to maybe even six records broken. So I actually think this is going to buck the trend. I believe that we're going to actually have a bunch of records because I think Krauser will do it. I think Mondo will get close to do it. I think Rojas in the triple jump will get close to doing it. I think Grant Holloway could get close. I think the four by four is always going to have an opportunity. So I can just, and I think there might be another field event somewhere out there that might get close. So I'm gone thinking that we're going to be closer to three than closer to zero. So I'm going with three plus for my total world records at the indoor championships. You guys can make your pick. Go over to that website. Again, there's that QR code. Oh, this way. QR code in the upper corner. Boom. You just click on that QR code with your phone. 
um, and you can you know, right to the, the picking page and select your picks. All right. And remember, you got to put your phone number in in order to be eligible. Next question is going to be, how many medals will Team USA at World Indoor Champs achieve? Men and women combined. You have 10 or less, 11 to 15, 16 to 19, 20 plus. I believe in 2018, USA had 18 total medals. I believe in 2016, they had over 20. That makes sense because it was in Portland. Um, so it was 18 last year. Forget how many were in 2016. But if you just go back to last year, I mean, not last year, 2018, the last world championships, 18 medals. So where do I think Team USA will stand? I actually don't think they're going to get as many medals as they did in 2018. I think this is going to be kind of a down year because you look at some of the, I mean, we only have one guy in our 3K, you know, like. There's a bunch of missed opportunities. Obviously, all the Bowerman people aren't there. and We're not really sending the AA squad. Now, we are sending a good squad in the field events and some of the sprints. But overall, it's not like we're not seeing Fred Curley on the start line. We're not seeing Michael Norman. We're not seeing Sidney. You know, we're not seeing Gabby Thomas. We're not seeing all the NCAA athletes. So it's not a guarantee Americans are going to medal across the board. So I'm going to go with, I believe there's only going to be 15 medals. So whatever category that is, that's what I think. I think there's only going to be 15 medals. So three world records or more, 15 medals. And then the last question is specific to this upcoming uh, Friday night, uh, I guess Friday afternoon in, in U.S. time, but Friday night in Serbia. What will the winning time of the 60 be? Is it going to be 6.95 or faster, 6.96 to 7, 7 to 7.04, or 7.05 or slower? Um, Iwa Swoboda has run 6.99. She's the favorite. She's the only one to break 7 this year. I think she's going to go on to win it. And I think she's going to just – I don't think she's going to run anything too crazy, but I do think she's going to repeat a sub-7. So I actually think the winning time is going to be sub-7. I think it's going to be 696 to 7. So those are my three picks. Three world records, 15 medals, and 696 to 7 flat for the winning 60-meter time. <laughs> there, thank you, Colin, uh, tweeting at Cathal. I'm having a meltdown over Daylight Savings time. I appreciate that. Get, get on the podcast. He's probably going to be here in 15 minutes. So we got 15 more minutes for me to kill time. And then we'll be able to get a good conversation with someone who's on the ground. But uh, yeah, those are my picks. Click on the QR code, upper right corner, and uh, try to beat me. Again, in order to be eligible to win, you need to have more correct answers than me. That's how you get eligible. So good luck. Do your research, as some coaches like to tell, tell me after I'm wrong on a prediction. And uh, see if you can beat me. So the plan is we're going to be doing a live show after each evening session this weekend. So Friday, uh, I guess Friday afternoon, U.S. time, I think it's around 2 or 3 o'clock. We'll do a live recap show after day one, day two, and day three. That's the plan. So head over to FlowTrack for the schedule of when we're going to be going live. Again, it's 4 Eastern, 4.30 Eastern, 3 Eastern. See, I had to change those times because um, – we daily savings time. 
Belgrade didn't change, but we changed. So we're getting good. We're going to be good to go. We're also going to have a bunch of interviews go up on the site. Um, for We're going to have someone on site getting a bunch of interviews so you can check out instant reactions from some of the top athletes, especially the Americans, and their thoughts on how they did each day. Okay. Housekeeping is complete. Killed 15 minutes of the pod. It's time to preview the championships. So, a lot of events go on, right? You got the, the 60s, the 400s, the, all the field events, the distance events, 4x4s. So, I kind of wanted to pick and choose what I thought were the most compelling events and, you know, things that I think are going to be most interesting to uh, things that I believe are going to result in the most interesting outcome. And I think the most anticipated race and probably the most anticipated result is going to be the marquee event of the men's 60. We got Christian Coleman, first world championships since his suspension. We got Marvin Bracey, who has only run once this year, which was at USA's, who's seated second, a fellow American. And you have Lamont Marcel Jacobs, who has run 647, which is in the, the stratosphere of Bracey and Coleman, maybe on the edge of it. And he's also run 649 this year. And he's won every race he's competed in. He won in Levin, Levine, excuse me, handedly. He's basically, he's run like a medal contender. He's run like a potentially a gold medal contender. But here's the thing. Today, I'm not today, but this weekend, we're going to find out who truly, what is real and what is not real. Lamont Marcel Jacobs, you may not like it, but he's always going to have this asterisk near his Olympic championship from naysayers. Okay, first of all, I say he won Olympics fair and square. He is the fastest human being at the Olympics. He earned it. There was no, like, false start controversy or anything, malfunction. He was legit the champion, can never take it away from him. He won it. But here's the thing. There's a lot of times weird things happen. Joe Flacco, Baltimore Ravens quarterback, won the Super Bowl. Okay? Was he the best quarterback that year? No. But he won the Super Bowl. Okay? It happens. There are times when weird things happen in sports. And the person that we don't think is going to win, wins. But the question is, will Lamont Marcel Jacobs be able to follow up that win at the Olympics and be able to double down and beat someone at Coleman's caliber to show, hey, that was no fluke. That was no one-off. That wasn't perfect conditions. That's why I won. That was the start of me trying to take over the top spot as fastest man in the world. Now, Bromel's on this race, so it's not going to be as deep of a field, but Christian Coleman is in it. He's the world record holder. He's undefeated this season. He looks like his 2019 form. He's in his event that he's best at, which is the 60. As good as Coleman is in the 100, 60 is his best event. If Lamont Marcel Jacobs were to beat Christian Coleman, all the naysayers, which might be a few people on this podcast, myself included, are going to have a lot of egg on our face because it's going to show that he was in an aberration. He was a legitimate Olympic meter champion that is going to be consistently one of the top guys 
for the next two to four years. And if he loses, it's also not that big of a deal because he's losing to someone who's an all-time great. Again, he's a world record holder, Christian Coleman. He he is looking like he's firing at all cylinders. He's won 645 this year. So at the end of the day, Jacobs may not be able to prove himself because it's going to be really hard to beat someone at Christian Coleman's caliber. But if 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 Jacobs were to lose, but lose in a good way, like lose by like get second and it's by 0.02 and he runs like 645, I think that's going to put respect on the name. And I think that's going to make people really second guess their criticism of his Olympic performance. Part of the criticism was obviously because he didn't run after the Olympics and everyone's like, hey, why aren't you doing the Diamond League? What are you scared of? And maybe he's like, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to, I only want a one and oh record. I don't want a one and one or one and two record. So I think there's basically three questions that we're going to get. Wait, what will this race mean to Jacob's legacy because of the weirdness of the Olympic final? Second question will be, is this, the moment where the rest of the running world is like, oh shit, Coleman's back. We got to watch out for this guy. This guy's hands-on, the 2022 outdoor favorite. He's still young. He was born in 1996. So is he's going into, he's still in his prime. He's going to be the favorite all the way through 2024. And the third question is, can Marvin Bracey have the, don't forget about me moment. Because people forget that Bracey probably should have made the Olympic team, but he got hurt. And he pulled up in the Olympic trials and he wasn't able to fulfill what his potential was. But now he's back. And if Bracey finds a way to, for some crazy reason, upset Coleman and upset Jacobs, then we're going to be like, wait a minute, how. This Marvin Bracey kid, he's not a kid, obviously. He's a, he's a grown-ass man. Like, we got to put a little respect on him. Like, maybe it's just a little bit of bad luck. He didn't make the Olympic team in 2016. So he's just he's back, and now we got to think. We got to add Bracey to the list of the Curleys, the Bromels, the Colemans, the Jacobs, the DeGrasses, the Lyles. It just, the list starts just growing even longer for the sprint, the top sprinter in the world. So those are my three questions. We'll see what happens. Um, I think Coleman is probably going to win, but I think that's a safe pick. But I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm excited to see the order and how that order really is going to translate to the talking points going into the outdoor season. All right, let's move over to the women's side. Women's 60. Now the depth isn't as there, close to there because it's not like a big three. It's more like a big one and then these kind of like fringe wild cards. That big one, though, is pretty big. Polish athlete, Iwa Swoboda, who ran 699. Incredible performance. We've been talking about her all throughout the season and the podcast with her 699 performance. The fact that she never broke 11 seconds in 100 this season, but she's running out of her mind. It kind of reminds me of like Melissa Jefferson of Coastal Carolina, NCAAs, where she's never broken 11 seconds. And then she went all... Went out to NCAAs and ran on seven oh nine. Now we have Iwa doing at the world the world championship level where she's running six ninety nine. No one saw this coming. No one saw her being the top dog 
of the 2022 indoor season. But she is, and as much as of a new face she is to this setting, you know, she beat she beat Elaine Thompson hurrah. Like she just had an incredible season. And as new as she is, I think she's the overwhelming favorite. I don't see any situation where American Mary Beth St. Price beats her, where Cam Bungie of Switzerland beats her, where Briscoe of USA beats her. I think she's got this in the bag. Now, I say that now, she's going to fall start and I'm going to have egg on my face, but I really do think she got this in the bag. And I think the question's really just going to be how fast. That's why it's one of the pick em questions. I think she's going to break seven seconds again. I think she might even PB by 0.01 or 0.02. And uh, I think this, this is kind of just, we're seeing the end of the first chapter. And the real big test will be, can she translate this to the outdoor season? Because you look at her outdoor marks, it is not the same caliber what she's doing indoor. And so I'm excited to see how, how it translates. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm already crowning her world indoor champion. But uh, she does have the benefit of, you know, staying in Europe. You know, that's going to be an interesting factor. There's a lot of people traveling a lot farther than, you know, staying in the European area where your flight's more, it's going to be two hours versus someone who has to have a six to eight hour flight. So she has that advantage. Um, but I think she's going to win it. And I think the question is who's going to get second. You got Kambunji of Switzerland who has run 706. This year, she had, uh, excuse me, I think she's run 705 as well. Um, she's going to be a factor. I don't think she's going to win. And then also, you have the Americans, Mary Beth St. Price, Michaela Briscoe. It's going to be interesting how it unfolds. If I had to pick my podium, I'm going to go with Swoboda for gold, Poland. I think, I think Ken Bungie's going to finish third and i think briscoe will finish second i think mary beth st price will finish fourth that's my order you got it here write it down if you can bet overseas bet that parlay and uh give me 10 percent of your wins that's all i gotta say all right um oh do we have cathel we have cathel but he's frozen okay so he's, we're working on getting him. He's frozen. We'll get that figured out. I'll keep going with this pod. But guys, we got Cathal. He is back. Daylight savings time did not eliminate him from this planet, so we're still good. All right, moving on to the women's 400. This is an event that I'm excited for because it's the it has the most newness, I guess, to it because Shawnee Miller-Weibo is running out of nowhere in this field. She's not even on the start list. You have to scroll down to the bottom because she has no season's best. She's like hidden there. It's like, oh yeah, don't forget about Shawnee Miller-Weibo at the bottom of the list. I've run 50.2 indoors. No big deal. Um, excited to see her go up against Femke Bull. It's going to be an interesting dynamic because Femke, the clear favorite, she's been you know race sharp all season long. She's run multiple races. Going up against Shawnee Milowebo, who probably has more 400-meter talent, I would say. Um, but she's newer. So it's going to go like, what wins here? Is it the person who's been in the grind and race sharp and 
doing the thing uh, weekend and week out, or someone who just has the pure talent who can just show up for the final race and be like, talent wins. The question is, how much more talent does Shawnee Miller-Weibo have? Because Femke Bullway may not have an incredible 400-meter speed. She is one of the all-time greats in the 400-meter hurdles. Like you take if Sydney and Dalala Muhammad in a weird if like you know we get in a universe where they just didn't exist you could snap your fingers we'd be looking at Femke Bowl as like the, one of the greatest of our generation but she just happens to be living in the world where Sydney and Dalila live so it kind of you kind of forget about how great Femke actually is of the Netherlands so. I think we may be underestimating how good Themke is, and we may be overestimating Shawnee Milowaybo's, you know, talent. Obviously, we remember her 2016 run where she dove in the finish line against Allison Felix, which was, which was a great run. And Shawnee Milowaybo just has that legacy of incredible marks. But in this situation, I think we're going to have to go with Themke Bowl because I think, I think. One, she's a lot better than we than we give her credit for. Two, she's been racing all season. And three, Shawnee Milowaybo is kind of an unknown right now. It's it's better to put your money on the known than the unknown. Odds are more in your favor. If I was setting a betting line, I think Femke Bowl would be minus money. I think she'd probably be like minus one fifty, and I think Shawnee Milowaybo would be plus two hundred. And I think people would bet on Shawnee Miller Weibo, and they all would lose their money, because that's what uh, odds makers do. They set it up to bait you to get you to put the money where they don't, where they want you to put it, and don't put it where they where they don't want you to put it, and that's how they make their money. So I'm going with Femke Bull for the win. Uh, speaking of the 400, though, while we have a great matchup between Bull and Miller Weibo. Men's, so I went through, I was like, all right, what events are we going to talk about? Men's 400, let's just be honest, it's dog shit. No one's going to care about it. It is not interesting to me. I mean, diehard track fans are going to always be like, yeah, but it's like, we love our sport of track and field, so every event has interest. Not this one. I love the 400. I ran the 400 in college. I, have, I, I love a lot of the top 400-meter runners that are out there in this world. Obviously, you know, Norman, Curly, uh, what Randall Frost did indoors. It's all great. But you look at this start, you look at this field, no offense, but like, come on, what are we doing here? You know, are we going to see Pavel Maslak of the Czech Republic win again? Like, is that what's going to happen? Is that what the type of season we're going to have? You look at the world's indoor lists, and it is all college kids. We already had our world championship for indoors. It happened this last weekend at NCAAs. Randolph Ross is the world indoor champion. So I just think that this is kind of like the NIT of NCAA, of the NIT of the 400. We already had our March Madness, and now this is the NIT tournament. This is for those. Bubble teams that couldn't get in. Those bubble athletes that couldn't get in. I think the main question was, will someone break 45 seconds? And I'd say no. No one's even going to break 45 seconds. 
that's all I got to say about the men's 400. So, so it looks like we're having connection issues with Cathal. Uh, he's frozen. Internet and it looks like the hotel Wi-Fi. Another barrier for us to get a true back and forth podcast going. So we'll see if he can log in. If not, it's just going to be me for the rest of the hour. I'll do my best to give you guys the uh, the preview content you need. So that's just the update, the Cathal update. He's in his hotel, but the internet is not working. You guys know that. Hotel Wi-Fi, not the best Wi-Fi. Isn't it crazy that sometimes hotel Wi-Fi, they give you like two tiers of Wi-Fi? They're like, hey, just pay us an extra $5.99 a, a day, and we'll give you Wi-Fi so you can watch YouTube. Ridiculous. And hotels charging you upcharge. They have like basic Wi-Fi and premium Wi-Fi. Guys, it doesn't cost more money to have premium and base. It's like you're, you you have both connections. Whether two people are connected or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. How, Travis, how do you pull up these random tweets that I have? This is crazy. Oh my God. All right. I feel like Travis knows my Twitter history better than I do. And the fact that only two people liked this tweet from 2019. Anyway. All right. Back to the podcast, what we're talking about. Men's 1500. First distance event. I think the best distance event that I'm most looking forward to. Obviously, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, world record holder, Olympic champion. He's the heavy favorite for obvious reasons. He's going to win this race. Unless chaos happened, which would be great if chaos happened. I would love a race where he doesn't win because it's like, well, who, who got it? But I think the question here is, who is going to meddle? Who's going to take up the other two spots behind Ingebrigtsen? And there's a lot of interesting characters that I think can find a way to that podium. Obviously, you have Samuel Tefera, the Ethiopian, who's run 333. Speaking of Ethiopia, Ethiopia is going to rack up in the 15 and the 3K on men and women. Not to sidetrack, but I think Ethiopia might, might get like... I think Ethiopia might get like seven medals in four events. It's going to be insane. Anyway, back to Jakob. We saw the world record that he did in Levin. 330 solo. It just wasn't even close. Will he have this approach where he's just running for broke and like not make it close. He's not doing the 3K, so you think Jakob maybe is like focused on just doing one event and because of that, he's going to do another time trial. I think if he's smart, I think he's actually going to treat this world championship as kind of a, a test run. Not that he needs it. He's already well tested, but I think he's going to race it like a typical 1500 meter and challenge himself. I think He's going to use this as a challenge. Like, all right, let's see if I can beat these guys in a slow race. Let's see if I can beat these guys when I'm not in control the entire time. Let's see if I can beat these guys when chaos happens. To really prepare himself for, you know, new scenarios. So I think he's still going to win. But I think Tefera is going to be a candidate for a medal. Obviously, Abel Kipsang um, of Kenya. The Spaniard also there. All, Oliver Hoare of Australia, I think is a really big wild card. And so I think I'm excited most for Oliver Hoare on Athletics Running Club, who just announced that they 
are competing at the Penn Relays in a four-by-mile. Oliver Hoar, his teammates Morgan McDonald, um, Joe Klecker, and I believe, and Jordy Bemis, who's actually at World Indoors as well. They're running the four-by-mile at the Penn Relays against Newberry Park High School team. It's going to be wild. They're running Friday night at Penn Relays live on Flow Track. They're going to be eyeing for the world record, which I believe is sub-16, like 15, low, like high 15-minute range. So everyone running 357 or better, which they clearly can do with that squad. Newberry Park is going to be on the track with them. A few other teams will be there as well. But this is going to be must-see, not television, because it's not on television, it's on the internet. Must-see internet. Must-see internet on athletics versus Newberry Park. Now, obviously, on athletics is going to beat Newberry Park. We can joke about... Clearly, these guys are better than 359 high school milers. But crazy things happen. And not crazy things where they would lose. But it's wild that a high school has been so good that they're even able to be on the same starting line as on athletics. This is crazy. Like, who in the right mind, in high school, like think of a four by one. Imagine a four by one in high school being like, yeah, we're racing Jamaica tomorrow. And that just doesn't happen. And the fact that Newberry Park has developed such hype, deserved hype because of what they do on the track and what they did on the, on the cross country course, that they're able to earn a spot on this starting line it's pretty incredible. And I think it's going to result... I think they're going to show up well. I think they, there's a good chance... This race is before the college race. I'm willing to say that Newberry Park's time in this race will have be a top three time in the college race the following day. And you know, whatever mark Newberry Park runs in this 4 by mile every college coach is going to be freaking out the next day because they know... Damn, Newberry Park just ran like 16.07. We better, we better run faster than 16.07 or it's not looking good because I can't have my college kids lose to a, a team of three juniors and one senior in high school. We'll break more down into that Penn Relays uh, matchup as, as the month goes along. But it's already a good sign. I also heard some rumors of other top athletes coming to Penn Relays. I can't say who they are. because. Contracts haven't been signed, but let me tell you, they're looking good. So excited to announce all the big pen release content as we get closer to that end of April. But we're still in indoor season. Back to the indoor preview. Men's 1500. Oliver Hoare, Samuel Tafera, Jakob Ingebrigtsen. That's going to be my podium. I'm going Ingebrigtsen. I think Hoare gets second, and I think Tafera gets third. Josh Thompson, American, Sam Prakel. I think... It's going to be interesting if they can make a final. It's going to be hard to make finals here because the fields are just so freaking big. Like the men's 800 field has like so many people. I don't even know how many the total is. Like there's 37 athletes here in this men's 1500. To get down to however make a final, was it 12 make a final? And it's only one round. It's only one round. So to go from prelim to final in a lot of these events, especially the 800, because you have to go down to six athletes. It's going to be kind of insane how they narrow down like the men's 800 field or the men's 1500 field. 
Um, so uh, it'll be very interesting how these these heats play out, and if Americans can find a way to scrap their way to a a final. Like I really think it's going to be if you're if you're at World Indoors, if you make a final, you get to come away with an A grade because making a final at World Indoors is going to be very very difficult. It's not like outdoors where there's two rounds and eight spots or 12 spots on the starting line. It's six for the 800. It's insane. So make a final and go home happy. One other big event, not really. I mean, interesting thing I'm looking forward to is the men's 4x4. Obviously, Donovan Brazier. I'm excited to see once we interview him in the mix zone about why he's not in the open four, why he's just doing the 4x4. USA should roll here. Obviously, Poland has the had had the world record, then it was broken by a college team, University of Houston, in 301-39. So we sh- maybe we should just send Carl Lewis's 2019 Houston squad to this four by four. But we're not doing that. Obviously, USA is going to win this race. They're probably they're also going to win the race on the women's side. But all eyes are just going to be on whatever leg Donovan Brazier is in and see how he performs i think he's gonna i'm i just i want them to give him the anchor leg that's what i want i want Donovan brazier to have the anchor leg i think it'll be great for content it'll be great for all the fans that wanted to see him in the 800 that didn't get him in the 800 they gotta wait to see him in a four by four but that's what i'm looking forward to most seeing Donovan brazier hopefully on the anchor leg amir latin's on the squad noah williams um, who hasn't been having that great of a season, but LSU, man, he was on fire last year. Trevor Bassett, Marquise Washington. So five guys. Hopefully Donovan's on the prelim and the final and anchor. That's what I want to see. I think he splits 44 seconds. He's got it. He's just there for a four-by-four. Four. He's just, you know, he's ready to go. I think over under 45 seconds, I'm going with under. I think he runs splits 44. No, a few other big uh, events that kind of have some interesting storylines. Obviously, Grant Holloway. We talk about this guy day in and day out. He's never lost a race in the 60 hurdles. I, can't, I just said that out loud. Imagine if he were to lose, though. Imagine if Grant Holloway were to lose. Like, even in the prelim, it would be like, wait, what the hell? He is a full tenth of a second faster than everyone else here. He is almost two-tenths of a second faster than everyone else's PB. So, Grant Holloway, he's a man among boys. If you had any shot of losing, it would have been to Florida State's Trey Cunningham because he's actually running like the second-best runner in the world. Grant Holloway can basically run backwards for this victory. I think what we're going to get most out of this race isn't a Grant Holloway victory, but more of a can Grant Holloway break his PB of 729, which is a world record, obviously. I think he might do it. I don't know, though. He, he he's not, he's, hasn't been too close. So he hasn't flirted too much with it. He's only won 735.06. There's not going to be much pressure on him because you know he's got the win. But we'll see. We'll see what he does. I'm going to go with he doesn't break it because I just think that it's hard to make that type of thing happen. Ooh, looks like I got an email from Caffel. Okay. Uh, we got, we'll see if we got it. 
and you re-log in. All right, guys, we might have a last minute Cathal sighting. Just email them. We'll see if you can get on. Anyway, um, back to Grant Holloway. Nothing much to add to this preview, guys. It's Grant, it's Grant freaking Holloway. He's going to win. It doesn't matter will he run another 7-2. It's just freaking insane. 7-2. I want to see a day when, like, I'm, we won't, but imagine, like, we're 80. It's been, like, 50 years. And then, like, all of a sudden, Grant Holloway the third is running, like, 7-19 in a hurdle race. Those are the things I think about when I think about Grant Holloway. I think about being 80 and watching his great-great-grandchildren running. That's what I think about. Men's 800, Bryce Hopple. Uh, can he win? I think we kind of – Bryce Hopple is kind of having a low-key season. The 800 in general has been a low-key event this indoor season. Uh, not much fanfare around it. But I think this is maybe a cool opportunity for someone like Hopple or maybe even Shane uh, – uh, excuse me, not Shane uh, – Isaiah Harris – to find a way to medal. We've seen some, some wild U.S. medalers in the 800 over the years. Obviously, we had Boris Berrien do it in 2016. We had um, Drew Wendell do it in 2018. I think we might be able to see someone like Bryce Hopple or Isaiah Harris do it in 2022. All right, do we have Cathal now? Is he, is he moving? I saw him move. Did we lose him? Colt? Wait, he's moving. Do you have audio? Check your audio, Cathal. He's muted. Oh, this is great. This is great TV. Put him on the screen and have him looking for his audio. Guys, we have Cathal with no audio. He's trying to find audio. Do you have audio yet? Unmute yourself or plug in your mic a different way. Oh, this is great. This is great television. Oh, he's going. He's looking. He's going. He's going to find the audio. But yeah, back to the eight hundred. Bryce Hopple. I think he is. I legitimately think he might win, which is kind of cool. Uh, Americans seem to do well at World Indoors in the eight hundred. I think Bryce Hopple has shown no signs of um, any lack of ability to win a race at this caliber. Obviously, he's been to multiple World Championships, and it's not like this field is full of twelve you know, Emmanuel Couriers, you know, it's the field isn't, I mean, Elliot Giles is probably the next best guy. And I think Hopple can beat Elliot Giles any day of the week. So. So, so Giles versus Hopple as an American bias, I have to go with Hopple. However, Giles will be good. I think Giles will medal. Giles ran well in 2018. I remember watching that race. He was part of like a weird DQ situation. There was a lot of pushing and shoving in that 800 in 2018. Um, but we'll see. Castle, do we have you now? Castle, click refresh. Click refresh on the browser. Refresh it. Let's see. How about now? Ah. Okay, first. It was daylight savings time. Then it was bad internet. And now he has no audio. What's going on? 
It's a laptop. Just it shouldn't be. Just, it's, it's so weird. All right. The, this, you guys are seeing the evolution of how the sausage gets made here. We might, we might, we might run out of time to get Capital in here. So a few more preview, a few more previews, and then we'll end you with the interview with uh, our friends over at the Spire. Um, women's 800, Keely Hodginson. Uh, I wish a thing Mo was in this race. That's all I gotta say about that. I wish a thing Mo was in this race to go up against Keely because the two, I don't know if they're both teenagers now. They might both be 20. I'm not sure their exact ages. But uh, yeah, Keely just turned 20 in March. Um, so I'm excited to see what she does. Uh, fresh off her incredible Olympic performance. What can she do here? In the 800 against what looks like a pretty good field. I mean, four women have broken two minutes already this year. You also throw in someone like Aji Wilson, who ran well, uh, who has been running well for the past decade. Uh, I think Keeley is the clear favorite, but there are wild cards there, right? You know, like Alamu, Ghoul, Aji Wilson, McKay of uh, Uganda. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think Keeley, heavy favorite. I don't see her losing. I think she's going to run an incredible 157, maybe in the 156 if she's feeling it. But uh, another one of those races, kind of like the men's 1500, where you know who's going to win, and you're seeing who's going to get the second and third spot. All right. Do we have Cathal now? <sighs> all right. It's all right, Cathal. This was our last attempt. Can you, make, can, can you write a piece of paper and, like, hold something up of, like, your pick? Can you can you hear us? Can you hear me? He can hear us. Oh, he can hear us, uh, but he can't say anything. Oh, this is great. He can hear me, but he can't say anything. All right, Cathal, we'll just we're gonna end we're gonna end the podcast. A few other things, obviously, fifteen hundreds, three Ks. Ethiopia is gonna dominate just to get that in there, and then field events. Mondo potential world record. Krauso potential world record. Rojas potential world record, and I'm also interested in see how the Ukrainian women in the high jump kind of react, obviously with what's going on in the world. I want to see how they react as kind of one of the first like Ukrainian based athletes to compete at a, a world level event. It'd be interesting to see what their thoughts are on the whole situation. But I want to end the podcast with a silent vote from Cathal. So I'm going to ask Cathal three questions and you got to put up your hands. What do you think is going to happen? First question, how many world records are going to get broken? This weekend, you show via your hands. One, one word record. Okay, just one. By Mondo, one by Mondo. Okay, that's a good. That's that's a very safe pick. Next one, which I'm not sure. Obviously, you're not an American. You're you're, you're going for for Team Ireland. But uh, how many medals do you think USA will will get at this championship? For reference, they got 18 in 2018. So, visual. 10? 15. 15. That's how many I said. 15? There you go. Look, we're on the same, same page here. Uh, okay, we'll ask you for what event does Ireland have the best shot at meddling in? That you're, that you're eyeing. Zero? <laughs> oh, this got to be something. What, what, four by four? No? Okay. All right. Last question. Um, 
Who who you taking in the uh, the men's sixty? One for Coleman, two for Bracey, three for Lamont Jacobs. This is a great. If you're listening to this podcast in audio only, this is, I'm sure this is very entertaining. Who are you going with on the men's sixty? Coleman, Bracey, or Jacobs? Oh, we lost him. His video I think froze that's, too. Yeah. V froze. The internet. We lost him. It's okay. Cathal, thanks for joining me on the podcast. We enjoyed following your story of time difference and no audio and just sign language only, but it's been great. I appreciate you, Cathal. Oh, he's back. But, you know, any last words? Any last words? Just bye. Best of luck. At, well, enjoy Worlds. Hopefully, I'll see you in Eugene. I'll see you in Eugene. We'll make up for it in Eugene. Thanks, Cathal. Appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, that's the podcast. We're going to end this now with the interview we have with our friends over at the Spire. Um, check out what they've been doing over there in, in Ohio. It's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back for a live podcast after day one of the World Championships. Joining me now, two coaches from Spire, Tim Mack and Kibway Johnson, to tell us about the summer camps that they got going at Spire and as a little bit of an update on what they've been up to. Spire, obviously a great facility out there in Geneva, Ohio. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thanks a lot for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, first, give me an idea of, of what the summer camps that you guys have going. I know we're recording this, it's late February, but every parent knows that summer camp registration is, is a bit of a mad dash. So what's the summer camp set up like at Spire? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's a bit of a mad dash. And also, you know, in Geneva, Ohio, it's, it feels good to think about the summer <laughs> this time of year. So, um, you know, we've, we've got links, we've kind of updated our camp registration process to make it a little bit more um, user-friendly for parents and athletes. Um, we've got, I think, seven, yeah. seven camps throughout the summer. Um, most of them are gonna be four or five day camps. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, within the camp, we've got multiple training sessions. We've got strength and conditioning. We've got uh, mental conditioning, like sports psychology, um, NCA kind of seminar type stuff to like to really educate athletes on what that process is like. Um, that's about it. And another, and and also like a little bit of a, a fun worked into because you know we gotta got to be well balanced too. So we have uh, activities in the evening, of course, for the athletes. Yeah, that's a good point. So because it's a boarding camp, like we've got staff dedicated to um, like athlete, student athlete services kind of thing to, to really make it fun. And um, in the summertime, it really, it is beautiful here and the lake's about 10 minutes away and there's all sorts of things to do out there and in here. It's, it's a lot of fun. What sorts of age groups are you guys looking at? What sort of event groups do you guys provide um, instruction and support for? We, we're looking between uh, ninth and 12th grade. I mean, if there's someone a little bit younger, of course, uh, that, that uh, really has an interest, then uh, we'd love to have them. Um, but, but ninth to 12th primarily is what we're looking for. And event groups is uh, all event groups, throws, jumps, sprints, hurdles. And, you know, so uh, but pretty much any event you can do throughout the whole summer at, at any of our camps. Yeah. 
Great. And tell us a little bit, you mentioned it's a boarding camp and we talked about this last time, but what is the experience like living at, at Spire either for one of these camps or also, you know, the full-time program? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's fun, <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> something that's really cool here is like, is usually going to a track and field camp. That's, those are the only kids you're going to come across. Um, and here, because we have so many events and sports that go on on campus at any given time, um, a summer camper will, you know, they will rub shoulders with kids in basketball and esports and um, volleyball and swimming and all of these camps are going to be going on all summer. So it really kind of gives a nice, you know, vibe to to the experience outside of their individual events on the track. And Tim, what's the difference? Yeah. What's the difference between, you know, this, this program and a, and a more traditional summer track and field camp, would you say? Well, the differences I see, of course, is uh, we have a, we have a great staff here, of course, you know, I've got to talk about the staff. So we have, a, you know, we'll, we'll have uh, Olympians, gold medalists, um, you know, that are going to be part of our, our coaching staff. Um, and the other thing is that um, along with a great staff, uh, we have we hit a lot of things that you might not hit during um, other other camps, like the mental training aspect. We 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 find that that's going to be a really big deal in in an athlete's progress. So we make sure that we we hit on some of the mental training. And Kid Way mentioned before we we hit on some of the uh, college preparation um, courses that that you know that they that they need to take and. Um, so they get to know what what to expect as they get closer to college. And um, we have a performance performance training too with our strength coach John Wallace, and he does a, like a functional movement test. And so we find out where the athlete's weakness is, and then we actually we, we're not just like okay, well, great to have you, see you later. You know, we're, no, we're like uh, here's here are exercises you need to do to improve your weaknesses. So along with the athletic part in which we, you know, we'll tell them exactly what they need to do to improve. It's also going to be the physical part and the flex and their flexibility part. So we try to kind of create a little bit of, um, we try to hit the foundation of the athlete really. And from there, and then from then on, it's, uh, it's just get a lot of reps in. So. Mm -hmm. Kibway, as a coach, what are you most proud of? Uh, these past couple months, you know, since we last spoke about what you guys have, have accomplished over there at Spire? Oh, good question. Um, I think what we're creating here is, is something that's going to be really special. And it kind of comes down to the development of not only the athlete, but also the, um, the student and the person. And so we're... <clears throat> we're making a lot of strides in integrating the school side of things and 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 everything else. It, it might even end up being something like integrating like other sports, right? To kind of um, work together, you know, basketball, kids like doing some jump workouts or something like that. You know what I mean? And, and this is stuff like, especially at um, you know higher caliber or or programs that are a little bit more specific, it doesn't happen. Um, and our interest here is, is development because in the long run, that's, that's really what it's supposed to be about. Um, 
our kids will leave in a better situation than they came and not burnt out. About- you know what I mean? That that's usually the the piece that really affects them once they leave high school situations and get into college is they've just been yeah. run or thrown into the ground and that won't happen here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, what about you? What I, what I, yeah. What I like the most is uh, we, we have, we really have been able to start from the ground up with a lot of the athletes. Um, and a lot of the athletes have kind of taken to it. Um, of course, we do we do a lot of uh repetitions we get a lot of work done in the morning we get a lot of work done in the afternoon um and we we couple the training with with not only their school work and their mental training but it's like with their with their athletic training as well so um mm-hmm. it's, it's it's sort of a challenge to get kids to like buy into some of the mental training stuff and that this stuff is really needed but um I think the the athletes that we do have are really buying into it, and it's it's really beneficial to them. And they see that that's that 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 they're like, oh, the mind is a is a powerful tool too that we can use to get better. So um, I think that just along with their academics, their training, their their um, socializing, and, and and putting just putting everything together for the athlete to succeed, it's been really fun to watch. Kibway, you brought up the word burnout before. How do you focus on long-term development with what I assume is a highly motivated you know, group of, of kids, because if they're coming to a, a summer camp or if they're in the program long-term, like they're there, they want to get better. They want to dedicate themselves to, to sports and, and academics as well too, but sports is a big part of their life. How do you make sure that their best days aren't when they're 17 or 18 years old athletically? I mean, <clears throat> honestly, that's, that's a, a little bit more challenging because that that definitely comes down to um the actual training the periodization of what we do for the athletes um and it's it's just it's a it's a different situation than frankly most high schools right like tim and i been there done that charlie powell been there done that the other coaches one coach for sure that's coming in a little bit later been there done that um and that's an advantage in terms of how do you train smart for now, but also to set yourself up to be successful later? That's that's really what, you know, that's what we're about. Yeah, and like early in the season, I like to think of it as like, I like to describe it as like this, like early in the season, sort of like a red light time where we're going to work on the foundation. And, and, and a lot of times everybody's so worried about Oh, I got to jump high or jump far, or run fast, like all year long. And I mean, I think a lot of people know that that's, that's like recipe for disaster. So we kind of like try to, again, periodize the, the training throughout the whole season. So the, 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 the start of the season more is more of a, a red light time, focus on the foundation. Then as we get closer to the indoor season, it's sort of like a yellow light time where we're like, we try to integrate a little more um, intensity to everything. And we let go of some of the foundational stuff. And then as the season rolls around, it's more of a green light time. And that's going to be like, we're not going to focus on all these little detail stuff. We're just going to focus on like the, the core, the core areas of, um, of competition, you know, and, and, and just a, a few fundamental things that they need to do correctly instead of trying to do everything at once. Mm-hmm. Do you think because the coaching staff is experienced in terms of, you know, being, being in Olympic games, being in us championships, you guys are able to approach it from a broader perspective where maybe 
the, I don't want to generalize every high school coach or every college coach, but sometimes they can get so focused on winning the league meet, winning the conference meet. And you guys are able to be like, Hey, listen, 10 points. That's great. You know, that league medal is great, but you know, what's even better. Like here's where I went in my career. Are you guys able to have those sort of conversations? And, and does that mm -hmm. resonate with, with these young athletes who can be so, you know, immediately focused on an outcome this week or this meet or this next, this next month? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So uh, I was just thinking to add something precisely to that. Um, you know, what, what you see often is training done to, like you said, like win a league meet kind of thing, or even more big picture is like to get to college. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the training is focused to get to college. And I think that's, um, a large reason why burnout does happen. Um, and so when you sh shift that focus and you kind of look at training and um, how we do here, it's just a little bit different, right? And so it, um, it, really, it really enables the kids to still thrive at the high school level and still establish marks that get the eyes of the college coaches. But once they get to college, they're just in better shape than most other kids. They really get a they get a better appreciation of of recovery of um, of being able to balance their mental the, the, the their mind and being able to balance the physical training as well because um, we, we we kind of have a um, the good thing is that we can focus on like some of the major major like the U.S. meets of the year and those aren't usually until a little bit later so we have a little bit more a little bit more time to develop the athlete and we have a lot more time too so we have even even more time to develop the athlete so mm -hmm. tim you brought up the the mental component of it and you're a pole vaulter right. i know you're also working with with the horizontal jumps as well too so yeah. obviously a big 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 mind game there as well how do you how do you prioritize the, the mental stuff given that there's probably a ton for them to learn at that age technically too yeah, well, luckily we work with um, we work with Dominique, and she is our mental training specialist here, and she works with uh, a lot of the athletes, like uh, specifically on Thursdays from like one fifteen to two o'clock, and then Tibway and I we have a meeting with her um, Thursday mornings, and and uh, we all talk about like okay, what do we need? Is there anything that we need to focus on today? Is how's everybody doing? So we catch up with the athlete, and so um, so we spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of time with the athletes, of course, and we share our knowledge when we can, you know, um, for as far as like how to approach competitions, how to approach training, how to approach practice. But then they also get the professional side, which the, the professional mental side, which um, they, they delve a little bit deeper into like the goal setting parts, the um, giving them some coping strategies. And um, so we were really able to give them the, the realistic viewpoint and also the, the scientific viewpoint of trying to get mentally more prepared and I'll, I'll give an example of of the integration that i kind of spoke about earlier is so dominique the mental skills person she has a, a, a weekly class with all of our athletes but then there's also about another hour two hour period where she makes herself available to come out to practice that's mm. the piece that's really yeah. um that's really important to to the whole idea of what we're doing here is Yes, we're out on the track and we're training, we're doing what we mm -hmm. got to do, but then we've got the mental skills person who's out there. And it's not really like 
you know, it's not chatty. Yeah. She's she's there and um, observing. Yeah. You know, she might not even talk to the athlete, but it, you know what I mean? Like, so it just kind of depends and maybe they'll reflect on it on that one particular session at another, at an actual classroom session, but stuff like that, that's just, it's so cool. And I think athletics is really gravitating a little bit more towards that and uh, mental health, but also just the, just the mental training aspect of sport. And uh, I mean, it's so great having like, yeah, she was, she would be out of practice, you know, and she's like, how is this person or that person? And we just, you know, we're just talking um, and making sure that that athlete without, without like sitting them down and being like, how are you feeling? You know, we just do it um, mm -hmm. amongst us. And then, and then Dominique is sort of like the, the center, the center person and uh, the person that they actually communicate with the most as far as that's concerned. But I mean, I don't know how many, how many um, younger athletes would have a, a sports psychologist out at, at the track, you know, overlooking their, <laughs> their workouts. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, it yeah. is like one of the, I think one of the biggest things that um, it sets us apart from a lot of places. Yeah. But the classroom is, is great, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's the real time instruction in the real time uh implementation of like what they learn here on site is is that's what makes this thing really yeah I sometimes i sometimes wonder i'm like man what could i i mean not, i don't want to get greedy but i'm like man what could i have done with something like this i mean yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we train by you know people that have been there done that and we share our experiences through u.s championships major major championships in europe you know olympic games uh world championships and but then they also they also get to talk that or over with uh, a mental training expert, you know. I mean, they they just get to um, really get down deep in, in, into understanding of just the event itself, but understanding what gets them to to uh, to perform at their best. And this is going to be different for everybody. So we try to we try to figure out the best way for them to perform at their best. Great. Is there anything else people should know about the summer, uh, pro the camps or the programs in general? One thing I want to I want to I want to I want to talk about real quick is the extended stay program that we also have. We have camps, but we also have times where kids can come here and and if they if they like the camp, they can they can spend even more time and they can they can spend maybe some time before the camp or after the camp. Or if none of the dates of the camps work for them, then they just have to let us. They just can email us and and we can figure out a time that works for them. They come at a time that's convenient for them. We can also try to work it to where there maybe there's like I'm just going to say pole vault because you know. I'm, coach too but but um so we can put together a, a number of athletes at the same time so they're just kind of like walking around and and basically it's like it's like track and field school for the summer so you know you're eating here you're living here training here and it's like you get to learn from experts like like ourselves and from our mental training staff and uh, with our performance staff it's um and we, we just put everything together and at the same time you can have fun with uh, other people like uh, like-minded people like like themselves great yeah well, the, the website the uh, stay option is uh, it ends up being pretty fun because it, it just feels it just feels a little different especially yeah. when it's during the summer um yeah you know the athletes that kind of have been on the national international circuit like we've done training camps like that's the vibe and a training camp vibe versus your home base is it's different you know mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's it's and yeah so like kids being able to um be in that environment like it's it's an advantage it's, it's, yeah, and it's really cool and it's like training like a professional athlete yeah. with a professional coach or i mean i've had people stay you know two to three weeks sometimes actually longer they, they were going to stay we like maybe four or, five, yeah. four or five 
four to six weeks and they ended up staying like months. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, and, and, and of course that's just, uh, that's just tells you what kind of, what kind of place that we do have that people would want to stay even longer than they come here, you know, stay. so, um, and we get a lot of, and we get a lot more time to be able to, um, really take our time with the athlete and, um, try to figure out what, what works for them the, the most technically, you know, and, uh, with their, mm -hmm. with their, um, ability levels. And we just have a lot more, it's more of a laid back period of time that we get spend with the athlete. Great. Well, thank you so much. The, the website, uh, spireinstitute.org. And then if you go to spireinstitute.org slash camps, you see all the camps that are listed there. Tim Mack, Kibway. Johnson, thank you guys so much for uh, for joining and letting people know more about Spire. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks and hope to see everybody soon. Yeah, appreciate Real it. Real soon.